right, guys. Well, obviously, we've gone back to right field to save those bullpen arms of Kirby Key and Brendan Brannigan, but I'm happy to be here with you all today. Um, we are going to continue our study in the Heidelberg Catechism, and we are going to look at Lord's Day, too. We looked at Lord's Day number one a uh, couple weeks ago when I subbed in for them, and so um, we're going to hit number two today. Uh, so I shall go over the uh, questions and answers in Lord's Day 2, and we shall talk about them a little bit. Uh, first, question number three, whence knowest thou thy misery? Answer, out of the law of God. Question four, what doth the law of God require us? Answer, Christ teacheth us briefly, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first and greatest command, and the second is like this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commands hang the whole law and the prophets. Question five, can thou keep all these things perfectly? Answer, in no wise, for I am prone by nature to hate God and my neighbor. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, as we look at uh, how we knowest our misery and what is the source of that and why we need to know it, uh, think of this example. You know, end of World War II, right before the atom bombs were dropped. Uh, folks, say in Hiroshima, yeah, they knew a war was going on. I'm sure they had rationing, just like I know my people uh, t um, dealt with rationing and things here in the States. Uh, but otherwise, life was going on, going to market, going about business. Uh, but on a certain day, there was a bomber headed their way. But they were going about their business not knowing the impending disaster. That that very day, many of them would be incinerated, burned terribly, families um, losing homes, uh, never to see loved ones again. Um, they had no knowledge of what was to come. And what Ursinus is telling us here is in many ways... That's sort of the state of those on the earth that don't know uh, about God, that don't know of Christ and his promises, and that don't know about what the day of the Lord is if you are not in Christ. Um, they are waiting essentially for that eternal atomic bomb, and they will not be so fortunate as to be brought into oblivion, uh, but into eternal judgment. We are, as we learned in our last Lord's Day lesson, um, in a state of misery. And we look for confidence in Christ on this world. We must know uh, that we are in misery and why we are in misery. And in the Catechism, uh, it says, Whence knowest thou thy misery? And really, our sources of misery are essentially two when you break it down, is the two great evils of the fall. Uh, one, that human nature is depraved and alienated 
from God. Of course, we know with this, that doesn't mean that we're as bad as we possibly can be. Uh, what it really means is that we are radically corrupted, uh, that the effects of the fall permeate the whole person, uh, that we are enslaved to evil impulses because of the fall in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies as well. Even the whole creation groans, we are told, because of the fall. So we have that idea of our misery coming from our human nature and the depravity uh, that resulted from the fall. Secondly, is this exposure to eternal condemnation. Uh, the Lord told Adam and Eve that if they ate of the fruit, they would surely die, and punishment was inflicted. We have thorns um, in the ground now. Uh, and the other curses uh, that the Lord explained that man would uh, work by the sweat of his brow, that uh, the land would not be so cooperative, the pains of childbearing and so forth, and the jealousy uh, between people. But essentially, and most importantly, is this exposure to eternal condemnation uh, that those outside of fellowship with God, outside of Christ, as we would say, uh, are exposed to. Uh, now, how do we know uh, much of this? I would ask if you have your Bibles, uh, Romans 7, 7. Could someone turn to verse 7? And could someone else uh, go while we're in Romans, hit uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 20? If somebody is, pop your hand and uh, read one of those. Brendan's got one. Yeah, Romans 7, 7. What then shall we say? The law is sin? By no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Amen. Okay, anybody got 320? Swanabel? Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For though the law comes, or through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Right. So here we see some great purposes of the law. Now, of course, uh, you've probably been uh, in the catechism, learned the purposes of the law. I mean, essentially, we have um, three purposes, and I'll sort of dumb that down for us. You know, it, it tells us who God is in his character, that he is perfect, that he is holy, that he cannot abide with sin. Uh, it sort of mirrors his righteousness there. So uh, you want to uh, see God, look at the Ten Commandments. You see his righteousness there in a way. Uh, it is to restrain evil, right? Uh, that we would know uh, things that are forbidden, things that are not good for us. It teaches us that. And it reveals what is pleasing to God because we are told, as Christ said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And out of gratitude, speaking of thanksgiving, uh, we should want to keep those commandments um, because that is pleasing to God. Does that save us? No, of course not. We're saved uh, through Christ alone and his work. 
but out of thankfulness, we should want to do what is pleasing to our Father in heaven. So this, the law, we are taught, as Brendan has just read, that uh, we know what is sin through the law. Uh, we know what God's character is by looking at the law. And we know what uh, good he would have for us in keeping the law. Uh, we also <clears throat> have this consciousness of sin uh, through the law and, of course, the Holy Spirit for Christians pricking our hearts as we uh, do something that we are not supposed to do that is not pleasing to God's will. So the law is a great blessing in that regard, and uh, it is a source where we learn of our misery and uh, our depravity and our need for Christ there. <clears throat> Indeed, you know, the knowledge of the law's requirement is very necessary. Could someone turn to Deuteronomy uh, 27, 26? Chapter 27, verse 26. Sharon? Um, cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say, Amen. Right. He who does not follow the law is cursed. And we cannot in, impose human standards, say, well, I've done pretty good. I mean, you know, good bit of it. I hadn't killed anybody today. or uh, But we know that's not God's standard. It teaches us if you don't keep every jot and tittle, uh, you are condemned. So the law is, again, that great blessing to us. And that shows us why the knowledge of sin is necessary. As we talked in our last class, uh, any presentation of the gospel should be uh, a part of that should be the consequences of sin and what sin is there. Uh, but we should never leave someone uh, that we witness to, that we talk with, with just that bombshell of sin and the required judgment. We have to tell them the good news. But, you know, brother, sister, there's a remedy. There's a bridge across that great uh, chasm uh, from man to God. Christ Jesus the Lord, we have that uh, to give them uh, of very good news. Now question four is, well, what does the law of God require? And this is uh, essentially as Christ has taught us uh, in the New Testament that uh, the greatest commandment is uh, to love God, to hold your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, you know, what, what sort of love is this? Well, Ursinus tells us um, this. This is his brief summary of it, and I think it's good. Ursinus teaches that to love God with the whole heart is, upon a due acknowledgement of his infinite goodness, reverently to regard and esteem him as our highest good, to love him supremely, to rejoice and trust him alone, and to prefer his glory to all other things, so that there may not be in us the least thought, inclination, or desire for anything that might 
be displeasing to him. A good summary, a good definition uh, of what that love requires. Uh, We must love God uh, more than things we find very precious here. Uh, Your mother, your father, you might have a close family. You must love God more than those precious things. Your spouse, even, that he has blessed you with. Uh, You must love God more than that. Good things, you might have good hobbies. Um, You like to work out, you uh, play sports or whatever. Um, You cannot uh, place those above your relationship with God there. Uh, He is our, should be our first love um, that we give all reverence to. Now, if we look at an example of that love, uh, you could probably not find a better example than Abraham and Isaac uh, that teaches us here what God's love is like. Uh, we're perhaps jaded a little bit. We've heard the story where you know they're going to sacrifice. They've got a flame. They've got sticks. And um, Isaac sort of, hmm, where's the sacrifice? Abraham tells me what the Lord will provide that sacrifice uh, and trusted in that. Uh, But out of his trust in God, Abraham was prepared to do as he had been commanded, though he had obviously great love for his son. And this was a son he had not expected in uh, uh, as matters of the world go, but had been blessed with. Uh, but he was prepared to make a sacrifice. And, of course, uh, he is stopped because God does. He provides a ram in the thicket with its horns uh, caught there in the briars and such as that sacrifice. That's the sort of love we're talking about. That's the sort of love God has shown you and God has shown me that he did not hold back his only son Uh, that what he did not require Abraham to do was he provide a sacrifice he did for us, uh, which is love. Uh, Why is this love of God, as Ursina says, the first and the greatest? Well, all others really proceed from it. Um, We are commanded, for example, as husbands, to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Uh, I fail at that constantly, but I cannot truly love my wife or love my neighbor as myself as I, again, fail in that without the love of God first, without knowing him and loving him. Knowing that love, true and a true affection, true love for others can proceed from that. Um, though, again, we fail. You know, again, how can we love that unlovable neighbor, right? The guy that gets on your nerves, that's running his uh, blower at 7 a.m. when you're trying to sleep in on a Saturday. 6.30, my bad. Uh, that's because... You know you've got your warts and blemishes too, and you know if God rightly judged you for your thoughts, your words, your deeds, that you deserve hell, that you deserve condemnation. Uh, That's how we can love the unlovable 
neighbor because we know there's really not anything within us that recommends us to God. God did not, certainly didn't save me because he saw something good. He saw potential there. No, he saw, he showed mercy. Uh, there was nothing uh, I could offer him, nothing uh, that credited me to him at all or you. Um, it was his mercy of his sovereign choice, uh, which I don't understand, uh, but I am taught that in the Bible and I am thankful for it uh, there. Now, uh, if we look, uh, actually, would somebody uh, turn to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, a little summary there, and we've talked about this, but let's read that. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. Anybody have that? Brendan told me that's like the first book of the New Testament, if y'all were looking. <laughs> Yes. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. Mr. Swanevelt. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Man, this is you know a summary essentially of the entire you know both tables of the law. You know, essentially you hear it broken down. Table one, our duties to God. Table two, our duties to others. This is um, essentially what is, um, and that passage summarizes the entire Ten Commandments. Is this love to God that we have been talking about? This uh, reverence, this awe. And then our love for our neighbor, our duties uh, to our neighbor. Um, and we all know how far, uh, you know, who is our neighbor. You know, we could start that, you know, man was going down to Jericho. And we all know of that passage, that uh, um, who is our neighbor. Uh, it sweeps very broadly there. Now, uh, we have looked at the importance of the law, what it shows us, how we know our misery, what the law requires. Uh, so we have also talked about how we should endeavor to keep the law out of gratitude because it's pleasing to our Father. But we come um, to a, a truth that Ursinus does not want us to fool ourselves. He says, can we keep the law perfectly? In question five, and of course, the answer is no. Uh, we could turn to Romans uh, 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all. There's no footnote in there that lists exceptions, right? All uh, have fallen short there. Uh, and from where this verse quotes, your know, Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. You know, no one is good. No, not one. Uh, we are all about evil thoughts, our own advantage, uh, those inclinations there uh, that are with us. You know, we cannot uh, keep the law perfectly. Uh, but that's also no excuse 
uh, not to try out of the gratitude that we have for what God has done for us. We should not give short shrift, uh, forgive the Catholic term, uh, to the idea here and the reality that uh, we are new creatures. Um, now, does Paul, even the great apostle Paul, does he teach us in Romans that, and he gets frustrated, right? He says, yeah, I want to do my summary. I want to do the right thing, what's pleasing to God, but you know, my members and me, my flesh, they want to do something else that's just not pleasing to God. Uh, even the apostle. Uh, there tells us of this struggle. Uh, but he also uh, explains to us that who is it? Who can deliver us from this body of death? Well, Christ Jesus the Lord, that is who we're to look to. That is who we're to hope on and look to him and hope on him alone. Uh, so it's not our law keeping. It's not anything within us, but it's we look to Christ and his work, uh, his, the person and work of Christ. That is our hope. Uh, not in law-keeping, though it is good for us and pleasing to the Lord, uh, but looking to his cross and his work there. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is essentially a Lord's Day 2 from Ursinus, uh, knowing the source of our misery, the law of God, and not fooling ourselves that we can keep it uh, perfectly, uh, but also not fooling ourselves that we have no duty to work on our sanctification, uh, which is not a monergistic work like our justification, uh, but is a partnership, if you will, with the Holy Spirit uh, as we work to be more like our Lord with grace. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings and just ask that you would bless us as we continue to either go home from worship this morning or into the worship service. Our thoughts, words, and deeds would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.